Luke chapter 24 verse 13 says this, Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. This is one of the most remarkable passages of scripture to me. And as I read through it carefully and slowly, I began to become more and more amazed by these two friends who have still got the fresh images of Jesus, his open flesh, his heaving body slowly turning into a corpse as he goes from life to death on a cross. They are still probably able to hear the cries of Jesus' mother, the the concern of close loved ones as they see him breathing his last, as they watch him moving towards death. Their hoped-for Messiah has become their dead leader. There is something massive going on inside of their hearts and their minds and their souls. There is grief, there's trauma, there's shock, there's pain, there's loss. And yet I begin to imagine what would a conversation like that look like in our day? What would happen? How would two people in our context in a Western society talk about what has just happened? They're walking on a road. I imagine very few people these days are walking on a road, so they're on uh, some sort of uh, device. And they might say, hey, did you hear? What? Jesus died. Yeah. Flip. Heard. Gutted. Crazy. Me too. You okay? I don't know. Hmm. Me too. Chat soon. Thumbs up. And that would probably be over some phone device. And and really what I have begun to realize is that people have begun to process their lives less and less effectively. And most astoundingly is that the resurrected Jesus is so drawn to these two people who are processing their lives that he incarnates into their world. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever considered how few uh, uh, kind of demonstrations there are in the scriptures of Jesus revealing himself as the resurrected one to people? And here we have two people who are processing their lives verbally as they walk slowly on a road. And Jesus is so drawn to them. He is so compelled by their processing that he infuses himself into it and begins to break into their lives and speak truth into it. I don't know about your life, but I think every person's life is filled with things to process, things to talk about. Huge turns in the economy, rumors of entrenchment, rumors of wars that are breaking out, concerns about politics, the economy, the future, awaiting results of certain medical things that have happened in our lives, loss of loved ones graduation or job promotions, guilt about the kind of friends or parents or or, or children that we are, fear of our inadequate uh, income or, or future related to that. There is so much in our lives that require processing, and yet so few of us have the skills to process it. 
What I want to instill in you is that Jesus wants to move towards you as you begin to become a better processor of your life. I want to suggest that there is power in a well-processed life. These two people are walking along a road and they are processing their trauma, their pain, even possibly their guilt of the fact that maybe they could have done more, maybe they should have done more. They're worried that the Messiah that was to come is no longer. And they're talking about it and Jesus moves towards them. Now, think of our souls, and maybe you can consider your soul, all the processed and unprocessed things of your life. And, and probably the best way I can describe the soul is a bit like that drawer that lives in each of our homes. You know that drawer that everybody has in their house. It's the drawer where things go that you don't know where they should go. It's the birthday cards that you're not sure where to put them. You don't want to throw them away yet, but you're not sure they have a place. They're keys that you don't know where they should go because you're not sure if they're still useful. Old, old light bulbs? Or are they new light bulbs? We're not sure. Cables for charging things that we're not sure we should throw away yet. There's a lighter because sometimes we need light candles and nobody knows where to put that. There's a couple of curtain hooks because, you know, you've hung up curtain hooks. There's shoelaces wrapped in a ball. There's batteries you're not sure if they're good or not. There are a bunch of things, used, unused, good, and some things you're not sure if they're still good. Maybe it's a broken torch, a screwdriver that you got in the Christmas cracker. There is that drawer in every household with stuff we're not sure. Is it broken? Does it need to be fixed? Hey, for some of us, it's a whole cupboard or whole rooms in our house. It's a whole attic, a whole space where we put things that we just don't know how to deal with. Our lives are a little like that. And if they are unprocessed, they become, our souls become a little like that, filled with all kinds of things. Terry Wardle says that ministry is a series of ungrieved losses. And I would suggest today that life is a series of unprocessed relationships, joys, pains, and lessons, often uncelebrated, ungrieved, and unlearned from. How well processed is your life? How are you doing at processing the pains, the joys, the problems, and the lessons that you could learn? Today I want to remind you that Jesus is drawn towards a well-processed life. He's actually drawn towards people who are willing to process all those things. A recent movie called The Living, the elderly man who's kind of facing an, a kind of late-life crisis, says, he, says this famously, I withdrew this cash to live a little, but I don't know how. How many of us simply just don't know how to live? don't necessarily know how to process our lives, don't know exactly which parts should be processed by getting rid of them, which parts are lies that need to be uh, debunked, which parts are, are truths that need to be lived in, which things are broken that need to be fixed, which things are totally useless that need to be thrown away. Instead of knowing which is which, we have a soul that is a jumbled up mess of anxiety and a knot of frustration and pain because we simply haven't known what to do with the different things living in the drawer of our souls. Jesus' wonderful question to them in verse 17 of chapter 24 of Luke, he says this, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk? He doesn't ask them because he doesn't know. 
just like God doesn't ask Adam and Eve where they are because he didn't know where they were. He asks because he cares about their interaction. In this case, Jesus cares about the processing of their lives. Charles Spurgeon famously said, when two saints are together talking, Jesus is very likely to come and make the third one in their company. Talk of him and you will soon talk with him. The risen Jesus moves towards our honest processing. And you can anticipate that in your own life. I've, I've noticed a bit of a cycle when it comes to, to our lives. You see, often it starts with maybe losses or life experiences or unlearned lessons that can kind of all get jumbled. And, and then uh, because they're all jumbled up, they're unfiled or unprocessed or suppressed, you know, through talking or prayer or people. What ends up happening is there's a kind of emotional suppression which happens when uncomfortable thoughts and feelings are pushed out of the mind. We do this in so many different ways, from using distractions like TV or numbing through drugs and alcohol to overeating or controlling our food intake. People often channel strong emotions into physical activity, boxing, running, going to the gym. They're not all bad things, but they can lead to us to an unprocessed life. Focusing our minds on something else to make us forget about what's going on inside. Hey, what happens after that with this unfiled, unprocessed life is that there's a growing uncertainty of what's really going on down there inside our souls. And what then that leads to is a kind of low-level exhaustion or anger or anxiety or unease. You name it. You know it. It's inside of you. Unfortunately, many of us are unequipped, untaught on how to process our lives, and so the draw of our soul just gets more cluttered, more painful, and more confusing. Most importantly, it gets more scary to open. We don't want to see what's in there. We don't want to know the pain. We don't want to know the devastation. We don't want to know how broken some of the things are in there. And so we leave the drawer shut. Hey, what, what is there that we should be processing in our lives? Well, I want to suggest there are just uh, four main things we should process. The relationships in our lives. Notice how in verse 14 they were talking to each other about the loss of someone dear to them. Hey, so often our lives are lived with unprocessed relational challenges. Whether it's a, an, a, an unprocessed pain, a disappointment, an expectation we had of someone... Hey, sometimes it's a celebration that we want to celebrate of somebody's uh, friendship. But instead, we may be too busy, too distracted. Hey, we need to process relationships. We also need to process our losses, our griefs, both big and small. They answer Jesus. They say about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed. Chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death. They crucified him. Hey, so much of our lives is filled with experiences of great loss and great pain. And like a hiking pack, we put our, our, our pains into our, our packs. But, but we don't just put little light uh, tents and things like that. We put big bricks. The bricks of loss, of grief, of trauma. And we never talk about it. We leave it unspoken about, unprocessed, neither in people's presence nor in God's presence. And often that turns into all kinds of things. Sometimes it's into over-functioning and we try harder to keep ourselves busy and distracted from it. Sometimes it's retraction or isolation from others. Often and usually, these kinds of unprocessed losses and griefs lead to resentment or bitterness. Hey, it's not just relationships that need processing and loss or grief, but it's also lessons. Notice how Jesus taught them. 
If you read on further, he says, how foolish that you didn't even know that the Messiah needed to suffer, that this was the plan of God all along. Hey, so often there's, there's lessons in life that just through our sheer busyness and our unwillingness to process what's happened and to slow down and take stock of what we've been through, we miss out on important lessons that can be learned. Lessons that would avoid us making those same mistakes again. Hey, and finally, we don't just need to process life's lessons, but also life's celebrations. This is so crucial. They sit down at the end of this walk and have a meal with Jesus. They break bread and he expounds the scriptures to them. And in verse 32, they say, Were not our hearts burning inside of us as we spoke with him? They began to process to the point that they began to realize that actually as they opened up the drawer of their pain and their problems and the realities of what was going on, there was actually a God behind it. And there were things to be seen and there were things to be celebrated that they needed to notice. There's much that we need to process. So how do we process? Let me suggest in closing a few ways that we learn to process. Firstly, we need to create space by changing our pace. Processing honestly uh, starts by assessing our life's pace. Notice how important it is in the beginning. It says they walked. (laughs) This walk would have been a good couple of miles as they would have walked from uh, on on their way to Emmaus. It, it, It was a significant detail in the story. It took time. To process, There wasn't a, an ability for them to say, I've got 21 minutes to sit with my counselor and talk this through. They needed a full long walk. They needed to meander through different topics. They needed to share what they felt. They needed to, to take some extra time as they went on a tangent about maybe an expectation or a sense of guilt they felt or, a, or just needed to listen to their friend for a while. Hey, if your life is so fast that there is no time to process, my suggestion to you today would be to ask, do you ever have time to walk? If you've got no time to walk, you may not have time to process. So often our busyness is actually driven by the fear that stopping might mean we have to face ourselves. We might need to open that drawer. We might need to see what's inside. Researchers at Netflix have found that a a typical subscriber doesn't find something to do or watch within 60 to 90 seconds. They could lose interest and move on to something else, like a video game, a book, or an old-fashioned TV. Hey, have you fallen into the Netflix trap of, of always looking for something new, staying busy? Marathon runners call it the wall. What you're doing in the gaps of your life, um, are so important what you're doing with your phone your tv when you get in your car if you uh, find yourself always filling every single gap of your life with something a device a communication uh, tool what you end up doing is you treat your life like a sprint and uh, and if you sprint out in what's life is called a marathon you will hit the wall, as marathon runners call it. You think you're going great, you think you're flying, but eventually you realize this is longer than you can run at this pace. You cannot keep going. You need to slow down and process. Life is not just about chronos time, about getting to the next thing and asking, what is the time? What is the time? No, the scriptures introduce us to something called kairos. Not asking what is the time, but asking what is the time for? Hey, you need to be able to ask that question in your life. 
Hey, secondly, process proactively. Intentional processing. This is about thinking through what do you need to process? What are unprocessed realities in your life? Maybe as you start this year, what lessons did you learn last year? What things do you need to face this year? What lessons, pains, or, or problems, or actually celebrations do you need to process? Hey, don't just process proactively, but process through prayer. Notice how they talked with Jesus. This was a form of prayer. They were walking with their Messiah, albeit they didn't know it, but they were praying. They were working things out in a kind of wrestling and, a, and questioning of who God was and what he was like and what they could expect of the Messiah. You need to process through prayer. You need to take time on these walks whereby you can literally process. Maybe it's walking. Maybe it's running. Maybe it's slowly going through scripture in a prayerful way. Maybe it's journaling if that works for you. I find journaling to be a powerful way to process what's going on in my life. And then finally, process with the right people. Process with people. You can't just talk to God if you don't also learn to talk with others. There is a sense of team as they walk on this road to Emmaus. They're talking together. And as they talk together, their talking becomes a prayer. But notice how they're listening and they're engaging with one another. Have you got wise counsel? Have you got friends in your life that you can process things with? Hey, I hope that you do. And my prayer is that if you don't, you would begin to become the kind of friend who can listen and love and share well with. And you'll find you'll begin to attract and develop those kinds of friends. Let me land by suggesting that you and I become healthy processors. That you and I begin to learn that there is great power in a well-processed life. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him, to, urged him strongly, stay with us for it's nearly evening. And the day is almost over. And most wonderfully at the end of verse 29 it says, So he went in to stay with them. Open the drawer of your soul. Open up your heart to processing with Jesus. You will be amazed at what happens when he goes in. He will be more gentle with the broken things. He will be more clear with the things that need to be thrown out. He will be beautifully precise and helpful with the things that need working on, the lessons that need learning. And he will celebrate with you in those opportunities to celebrate. So my prayer is that you and I begin to understand the power of a well-processed life. Thank you.